Hello, today we're going to be talking about the therapy trapped. And we are going to be talking about uncovering the limitations of traditional approaches to mental health. And for that, I have a very special guest. Her name is Carol Chan, and she's a mindfulness and self-love coach with a background in psychology and mental health therapy. Her, her practice is called Anchor Awakening. And through that, she guides soulful women in healing their relationships with themselves through authentic self-love and inner child work into confident, wholehearted living. She has healed her mental and emotional wounds using mindfulness, authentic self-love, and unwavering self-compassion. And it is her mission to help others do the same. So I... I'm so excited to talk to Carol about these important topics, so don't go anywhere and stay here with us. Welcome to Living Intentionally, the podcast that empowers driven women to get unstuck and to take their personal and professional lives to the next level. I'm your host, Carmen Benton. I am here to help you create the life you truly desire without burning out. And as a leading expert in living with amplified alignment between your mind your energy, and your soul purpose, I'll be sharing valuable insights on mindset, energy, self-care, business, and much more. Plus, you get to hear from inspired women who have successfully built businesses and lives that are both meaningful and fulfilling. Join us as we dive into the topic that matter most and uncover the secrets to living in the Hello, hello, Carol. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good. Thank you so much, Carmen. It's good to see you and it's good to be here. Good to see you too. So it's funny, as I'm reading your bio, I'm like, oh my God, this sounds like me. Except that I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> except I don't have a psychology and, and therapy background. But yes, mm -hmm. it's so important to um, to have all these components in a life to be able to get into that, play, that place of confidence and love and just thriving, right? So before we dive into like how we got there, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your journey? You know, how did you go from being a therapy full-time, I believe, to now coaching and the transition so our listeners can, you know, get a picture of what we're going to be talking about? Yeah, yeah. So I've been a therapist for about 10 years And I kind of, I came into that career sort of by accident. So I, I would categorize or, or classify most of my like late teens into early adulthood as just being lost and grabbing at anything to try to figure out who I was and, and what I was going to do with my life. And in that process, um, was kind of trying on different career hats And one that really grabbed me was school counseling um, because I wanted to work with kids, but I didn't want to teach. And so I started a graduate program in school counseling and really felt that this was the thing I was going to do. And then part of my graduate program was a one-on-one -on -one practicum with adults doing therapy. And I really connected with that so much so that when I was in my school internship in my last year, I was like, I'd rather be doing therapy Um, so I switched to clinical mental health, and that's sort of how I fell into being a therapist. But, you know, I, I, I do think that everything is sort of already written. So 
I don't, I can't see myself in any other place that I am now. Um, having, you know, having been so immersed in, in, in the field of self-work, right. In the field of heart work and soul work, which I really believe at the heart of it is what therapy is. Um, and kind of being in the field and watching it change has been a really interesting experience because I think while there have been some really important advancements in, um, in visibility and accessibility and normalization of, of mental health needs, I, I also think that we've gone a little bit too far in the other direction um, and that it's, it's now become a very specialized field for very specific experiences and experiences that fall outside of that. Um, they kind of get siloed back into the, the therapy umbrella. Um, and I really started to notice this in the past, maybe three or four years when my own therapy journey as a client started to stall out. And I, I had been working on a lot of things. So I guess the primary things I've worked on in therapy are uh, chronic depression, anxious attachment, um, just ruminating anxiety, um, and relationship conflict, relationship wounds, um, family of origin wounds, um, self-esteem, and that all these things manifested, cope, like trying to cope with these things manifested in a lot of self-destructive behavior. Um, so kind of um, promiscuity in relationships, um, cycling in and out of relationships, um, eating disorder, smoking cigarettes, just really addictive behavior. Um, and all <laughs> I had been in therapy very consistently since 2010. And it was coming up on 2016, and I realized that there was something missing, right? Like, how, how could I have been in therapy for this long and had been a therapist already professionally for three years and still be struggling so much? And that was one of the first, I like to talk about um, kind of the illusions that fall away from us as veils. So this was the first veil that fell away where I was like, maybe maybe there's something more than therapy that could be more effective for me or that could um, kind of cut even deeper, right? And that was really the beginning of a more spiritual journey for me in understanding different ways of healing, different ways of being with myself that were not really a part of the mainstream lexicon of therapy. Um, and so that journey in itself, kind of, I, I was embarking on that alongside staying in therapy, still being a therapist. So I was kind of straddling two worlds. And there were a couple more kind of breakthrough moments where, again, things still weren't coming together for me. And I was still relying on these therapeutic concepts and feeling like they're working okay, but they're not, they're not really what I need. They're not, they're not really getting to the heart of things for me. They seem like they're more just helping me get by. And I didn't want to just get by. Like I wanted to fully be whole. And yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, and I, I can relate so much. And I'm sorry to interrupt you because I, I just want to okay. say I can relate so much because, <clears throat> again, I'm not a other than I'm not a therapist or had a background in psychology, your 
your bio was like, oh my God, this is so much like reading my own bio. <laughs> and um, I remember, and it was 17 years ago, the first time I mm. seek, I seek help because I had postpartum depression. And I literally got three options, which all involve medication. And mm. the consequences of the medication were either I was going to gain weight, I, my brain was going to get foggy, and I was executive at the time. So, you know, my career was pretty much everything. I was like, no, my brain is my most important asset. and uh, Or my libido was going to go down the drain. Mm. And I'm like, uh, okay, I don't like any of your options. <laughs> I don't want to give any of these up. <laughs> No fat, no dumb, no, you know, dry. <laughs> yeah. And so I said, well, I'll figure out my way. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And um, that's how I started my own self-discovery. And, and, and I'm sure we're going to get into what are your techniques and, and whatnot. But, but yeah, it was the, I like what you said, the unveiling, right? It was like, mm. oh, my God, the traditional way has failed me for the mm-hmm. first time. Mm-hmm. of many to come but that was like the first time it's like <laughs> oh my god and so yes it's uh it it is it is sad in a way but also what i'm seeing is that a lot of people as they are awakening to other possibilities and we don't have to even go into like google stuff here but like just awakening to like we are not you know all equal we have different DNA, different problems, different traumas, different experiences, different environments, different everything. And when you take a cookie cutter process to try to fix or help or heal people, it doesn't work always the same way. Mm-hmm. And I applaud those therapies that actually are open to combining different methodologies or even referring people to somebody else because that might not be their expertise. Like mm-hmm. I had clients and I'm like, well, this is a little bit too much of my, like, I don't know for sure that I can help you. So maybe, you know, I know this person can. And, and I have no problem doing that because mm-hmm. for me, the most important thing is my client's success. And I think when it, for a therapist is the same thing, then you can see mm-hmm. the, well, let's try something else or maybe therapy is not for you. Right, right. Yeah. And I think, you know, on an individual level, like every therapist that I know, that's what they do. You know, they they have these, um, these principles, and these ethics where if, if something that a client is presenting with is outside of their scope of practice, they will refer out. So on an individual level, I think, you know, we're, we're kind of all united. It's, it's how, uh, how money has gotten involved with the mental health industry, you know, so um, mental health is now part of the medical system, which I think has been its huge downfall because it's not a medical issue. It's an emotional, relational, spiritual issue. And when we have a medical issue, um, it's, and, and there are definitely medical approaches that are straying away from this too, but we, we medicate, we medicate. And medicating an emotional, relational, spiritual issue is not solving it. It's layering something else on top of it. Spreading leaves, they're going to pick. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's going to be a pig. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. And that, you know, but, but, 
the reason that mental health has been absorbed by the medical system is for, for money. Um, and, and, you know, it, it gets a little bit sticky because therapists do need to make money. I, I would say we're not in it to make money, but we do need to make money. And I think, you know, we deserve to be paid for our expertise and our energy and our labor. Um, and that it seemed like the, the easiest way to do that was to kind of jump on the back of the medical system. But the shadow side of that was that every mental health condition then became a disease. Yeah. And when we think about things from a disease or illness standpoint, then we treat it and we fix it and we put medicine on it. Um, when we're part of the medical system, then health insurance gets involved. And when health insurance is involved, then the person making the medical decisions for you, like what you deserve to get in terms of uh, treatment, it's not made by you. Mm-hmm. Because a health insurance company is going to approve whether or not they're going to pay, they're going to pay for your services. And for years, I had already been talking to clients about, you know, your health insurance provider is a third party who's meddling in our business. And I understand that if you have a financial need, that we will we will make it work. But I want you to know what what we're doing here and where the limitations are in your decision making and mine. And health insurance companies are also for profit. So they're in it to make sure that their bottom line is taken care of. Um, on top of that, in the past, you know, five, 10 years, maybe more than more, more like five years, um, digital therapy platforms have become very popular, um, like BetterHelp and Talkspace. Yeah. And they saw, especially when mental health became something that was more visible right? And people were really asking for more resources. They saw an opportunity. They saw dollar signs. Well, let's find a way to monetize this. Let's find a way to make this, um, let's commodify this, right? And so they're, I mean, they are for-profit companies, for sure. Therapists who work for those platforms do not make very much money. They work a lot for not enough pay. And so, the people who suffer from all of these phenomena are the therapists and the clients because we're not able to provide the level of service that our hearts really want to because we're so burned out, because we need to survive, right? We need to, to pay ourselves and clients aren't, they're not receiving the level of support and presence that is really necessary for healing. They're getting the Band-Aid, they're getting the lipstick. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so what, so, so you've been dealing with all this and I, I, I mean, I can tell that you are in, you know, obviously for the right reasons. And I, I mean, I think most therapists are mm-hmm. in for the right reason. Uh, it does become a point of burnout if you are not having the correct energetically exchange and money mm-hmm. is an energy. Like if you're putting mm-hmm. all you have and all you are into helping people and you still don't have the life that you want to live, um, yeah. hours of work and, you know, access to things and experiences, obviously that, you know, contributes to your own mental health <laughs> diminishment. So how do you go from doing that to like, okay, now I'm going to do coaching? Like, what is that? Yeah. Transition? 
Yeah. So I had been, it's been, it had, it had been on my mind for several years, but to be honest, I had been very afraid and really was, was feeling really attached to my credentials. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, and so I was like, no, I'll just, I'll just find another way, right? I'll, this will be fine. I can, I can survive doing this. Um, and then a couple of years ago, I had, I had a severe heartbreak, just like the end of a relationship that I had put so much of my heart into and really thought was going to be my future. Um, and it wrecked me. And it really called attention to these parts of me that I realized still hadn't been healed. And so then I was sort of in this place of despair and frustration of like, how much longer do I need to do this? You know, um, why have I not found like the answer? Um, and by, by now, you know, I was familiar enough with the concept of like, can I step outside of therapy and, and find something else in, in a more spiritual modality? And so I, I ended up embarking on this very deep excavation of um, deep inner child wounding and deep self-abandonment in order to learn how to truly love every single part of me. And I thought I already had, which and that was the humbling moment is, oh, there are still parts of me that I absolutely have forgotten about, like literally didn't even realize that she wanted my attention. Mm -hmm. um, and through that opened to what it truly means to have compassion for yourself in all stages of your experience, in all states of being. And it was such an amazing heartful, like just mind blowing experience. And I came out of it thinking, <laughs> I can't help people do this as a therapist. Mm -hmm. It's not part of the expectation of therapy anymore in our culture. So trying to, um, I guess, trying to spread this message as a therapist, I think would be very limiting. And what if, what if now's the time? What if I stepped outside of the bounds of therapy, the mental health industry, the rules and regulations of, of my state licensing board, right? And what if I just trusted this intuition, this, this ultimate truth that I've opened up to, and how many more people can I reach, right? Especially because as a therapist, you can only work with people who are live in the state that you're licensed in. Mm. And I wasn't about to get licensed in all 50 states. <laughs> well, and then 50 states, you're still limiting yourself, right? There's right, so right. How many countries that speak English and need help? Exactly. Very, very self-topic. I mean, like, I, I have to tell you, like, I always had a very successful career. Um, the other areas of my life were pretty much an afterthought, um, crumbling, but mm. because all the light was being shined on my career, nobody could tell all that. But there was a time in my life where I said, okay, enough is enough. Uh, how many gold medals do you need to get? That's mm. how I, like, mm -hmm. I had this realization. It's like, I've been to the Olympics like 27 times. 
I mean, always get first place. I mean, still feel empty <laughs> and broken. And, yeah. you know, it sucks. <laughs> I mean, there was another explanation. Yeah. And, and I decided that I was going to do kind of what you did, like going inwards and heal myself. Now, I didn't have that awareness. I didn't know what I was doing. I just mm. had this intuition to go in and start, you know, looking for whatever needed to be loved. And in the process, I wrote a book about self-love. Now, this is, the, this is the funny part. The first draft of the book is so bloody. <laughs> like, <laughs> so, because it was my healing, right? Yeah. It was my healing. It was me healing myself. Uh, but it was the process of writing that. And, and um, in my journey, I got into spirituality and energy and I think writing that book was the first time I realized I actually can channel because I wrote mm-hmm. this entire book and I, ha- I, I recall events in my childhood that I couldn't tell you otherwise consciously. Mm-hmm. Now that I recall them, I'm like, oh, yeah, that totally happened. But like right. if you they were so buried, I, I, I make sure they were like cover up six feet under not even like you know concrete mm-hmm. on top of it <laughs> like, right. like again but they were ruling my life all yeah. those feelings emotions and blocks that i had because of those events that quite frankly now that i see you know a range of clients you can tell well carmen your wounds weren't all that traumatic well they were traumatic mm-hmm. to me Right. Mm -hmm. Because I see people who have gone through hell and back. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's how you react to a particular thing. So, you know, I can get in the argument of trauma all day long. Like, you know, there's big trauma, little trauma. If it created a block, you know, an emotional charge in you, it was traumatic. So that's it. But anyways, it was through self-love and compassion. I mean, my Mm -hmm. life was pretty much drawn with guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. in this like cycle yeah. and I had to stop it and said you know what you're only human and you have to learn to love yourself and yeah. yes love is the magic pill for a lot of things and compassion yes yes it's, so, it's it sounds like there was a moment where you realized ah I, I deserve this love and compassion mm-hmm Well, I I realized that the reason my relationships were always crumbling is because I was chasing that love in the Mm -hmm. wrong places. And it was never going, I was never going to be able to find it because Mm -hmm. it wasn't lost. It was just inside of me. Right. And when I learned to love myself, and it seems like you have done the same thing, you know, your entire life changes Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you don't tolerate bullshit from people. Mm-hmm. you're very very good at taking care of your needs right dedicating mm-hmm. time for your mindfulness which is so important to be able mm-hmm. to achieve everything you want right we interrupt this podcast for a sponsored ad we will be right back hey there looking for a breakthrough in your life journey well i got great news for you as a certified master intuitive coach master energy healer I can guide you and support you in unleashing your full potential. Let's work together to identify, 
those subconscious blocks that are keeping you stuck. Remove any emotional barrier and reprogram the limiting beliefs that are keeping you stuck into empowering ones. With my help, let's reframe your story for success and replenish yourself with light and love. You don't have to go through this alone anymore. Let's discover what's holding you back and make lasting changes in your life today. Go to the link below at carmenmentor.com to learn more about my coaching services and to schedule a complimentary consult with me today. Remember, it is time for transformation and I'm so happy to be here to help you make it happen. Welcome back to Living Intentionally with Carmen Benton and special guest Karel Chan. So why don't you tell us like what are the what are like the main techniques that that you discover and you use with your coaching clients to help them break through this pattern of childhood wounds and uh, unlovable experiences and memories mm-hmm. and all. Yeah, the the main technique is this is gonna sound really simple, um, but is opening to experiences rather than closing off to them. And, and this, you know, it does sound simple, but it is very difficult to do if our whole lives we've closed off to experiences because they've been so painful. But this is the technique. And this is why I think it's so important that when we embark on a self-love journey that we have resources. And sometimes that resource is another person, right? It's a coach or a therapist, somebody who, who, their, their role is to be there and hold the space for you and to be this kind of unwavering source of comfort and permission, right? Mm-hmm. Permission. That's a big word that I've used a lot with clients where I'm like, you know, it's okay for you to feel this way. It's okay that you're crying right now. It's okay that you're afraid right now. It's okay that you've been hiding for this long. Now, we don't really want you to be hiding anymore, but I can understand why. Mm-hmm. And that, that understanding, that permission, that it, a lot of them tear up when I say that, because maybe it's the first time that someone has said, just be as you are. And I see your pain and your pain matters. So, so much of... Yeah, so much of us closing off is because we we get the message that our pain doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And so if it doesn't matter, then we better get rid of it. But we don't know how to get rid of it, right? Um, we don't know how to transmute it. We don't know how to move through it because we just try to get rid of it by throwing it away. And then it just gets deeper, buried more and more deeply, right? Like you were saying. And so the number one sort of approach that we start with is opening, is allowing. And then when we've opened and allowed, right, then there's this shift of noticing how their bodies and minds are reacting to these painful parts. And again, allowing that too. I understand. I understand why you're recoiling, right? Um, And then, but then continually offering curiosity to that hurt part. What does that part most need? Sometimes that part is already talking, so we just know. Other times it requires sort of a going back into your felt memory 
of one of the earliest times you felt this way. And it doesn't even have to be a real memory. Like it doesn't have to be concrete. Like, oh, it was this time and this was happening. It was just a feeling that I had, a sense that I got around this age, right? I was little, I was middle school, I was high school. And when we can access that felt memory, then we ask, okay, so ask your child self, ask your teenage self, or if you can remember now being in that mind state, what did you most wish you could have gotten from someone? What do you, like at that time, what did you think? If only I had this, I could be okay. And when we get that answer, then we start to embody that energy. Mm. And sometimes I'll just repeat back to them what they had said, right? And so maybe someone, maybe someone says, oh, I, I would have just really liked for someone to say, you don't have to try so hard, you know? And so then I'll say to them, yeah, you don't have to try so hard. And, and that is a moment of healing. Yes, absolutely. You know? That's so beautiful. Because, and your energy yeah. is, I can, I can feel the compassion and the, mm. and the holding space in your energy is very beautiful. And one of the things you said, uh, you know, I spent a lot of time thinking about this, like how, how do you heal your shadow, right? In shadow mm. work. Um, because I did it and then people were asking me like, well, how do you do it? And I kept saying, you know, like, yeah, you just bring awareness to it. Not just, but like, that's the first step to bring awareness to it. And I kept thinking mm -hmm. like, but why does that work? Mm. And then I got the answer, which is very logical. And this is probably what I was pushing it away. Because uh, it was simple. But it's only called a shadow because there's no light into it. Yeah. Right? So when you bring the love and the light into that part of yourself that needs to heal, that wants to heal, that is trying to protect you because that's all it is. It's a part of you that broke off from your, let's say, your wholeness to keep you alive, to keep you safe in a particular moment. And it hasn't gotten the memo that everything is fine now. <laughs> it mm -hmm. needs to come back into yeah. the light, right? But it's, yeah, that's, that's it's the, the awareness and the opening. And I mean, that resonates a lot with me too, because I know I was completely close. Like there's so many people that, you know, I... I've been, I've been in my life that had zero chance because mm -hmm. I wasn't open to mm -hmm. it. I didn't want to get hurt, mm -hmm. right? Because pain mm -hmm. is painful, right? So there's two ways. You either avoid it or ignore it, right? And ignoring mm -hmm. it, it requires a little more skill. But like avoiding it, it was easier for me. So it's like, okay, mm -hmm. well, I'm not even going to go there. I'm going to mm -hmm. pretend that that part of my life doesn't exist, and I'm just going to do this thing. And so many people do that mm -hmm. unconsciously. And this is why, yeah. you know, when I talk to my clients is like, and explain what's happening. And, and it's like, but you are not doing it intentionally. And now the work is to have compassion and understanding why you had to do that to survive. And it's mm -hmm. okay. right? Like, that's why you're here today. That's why, right. you know, have these experiences. And then I think it brings a lot like compassion is such a big word that i never used to use i don't know two three years ago and mm -hmm. now it's like such a life-changing word for everything yeah. even like when you are triggering 
uh, and reacting to life in front of you, right? Instead of reacting with them, it's like, ooh, can you have compassion and try to be curious? You use, you also use the word curiosity about mm -hmm. what might be triggering them, right? Yeah. And just that is such a, uh, it opens so many doors in, in your life too. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it softens you, you know, that when, when, we, when we can open rather than tighten or like you're saying, avoid, when we can open, we're allowing someone else's experience to touch our hearts. And we are also connecting with the unity between all of us as humans, as, as really feeling beings. So we can have compassion for animals as well. Um, that we're all connected. And also like you were saying, like when there are parts of us that we just put away, then we're disconnected. And the more disconnected we are, the, the more unwell we feel. Um, and so compassion is a way of opening to experiences. And when we're open, we can be touched, we can connect. And when we connect, when we feel or witness the pain of another person, then we can feel that same pain wherever it's lived in us. And all of us don't want to feel pain. We are wired to avoid pain. Mm -hmm. So when we can connect with the shared pain with us and another feeling being, then there's also the desire for that pain to be alleviated. Mm -hmm. So we're connected. I don't want you to hurt anymore. I don't want to hurt anymore. I don't want you to hurt anymore. Then there needs to be wisdom of what is it that's truly going to have us not hurt anymore? Because if we don't have that wisdom, then we get the maladaptive coping skills, unhealthy coping skills, self-destructive behavior, self-sabotage, all these things, right? And they're trying, yeah, they're trying to avoid pain, but the wisdom is what is it that's truly going to move through pain and alleviate it, move us into a place where we can truly feel peace and happiness and feel whole. Yeah. I actually have gotten to the point where, um, you know, whenever I feel like overeating, let's say dark chocolate is my weakness <laughs> and red wine, maybe. <laughs> There's been many, many, many years since I, I haven't touched a cigarette, but I used to smoke too. I mean, all these mm -hmm. things that you, know, you talk mm -hmm. about, uh, but it's like, ooh, do you really want a piece of chocolate or you are trying right. to disconnect from somewhere? And sometimes right. the answer is, you know what? I really want a piece of chocolate. And it's yeah. like, okay, chocolate. But if it's like, I'm just going to like, I'm, you know, I'm, I have an incomplete stress cycle mm -hmm. and I have to find a more ele elevated way to complete it, to align my mind and my heart. So my heart's not pumping blood and adrenaline thinking that I have to go hide from the world because something's going to kill me while my, my brain is starting to stay, you know, conscious and, and in, you know, in touch with everything else. And it's that alignment uh, mm -hmm. that brings you to a whole different type of living. Yeah. 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 That, that alignment, right? Like what am I on? Am I fully online? What is, what is my body asking for right now? 
is it asking is it asking for chocolate <laughs> or is it asking for relief mm -hmm. right and relief is more of this idea of I need something um well, I mean, I guess when we're, when we're not fully in it, right, we want to escape from something. And so if we're wanting to move away from something and then we add something, right, then it's moving in the same direction. We're not actually meeting in the middle. But if we're fully online, what is my body really needing? And what would it be like to, to meet that in a very genuine way? So what, do I need, what am I needing relief from? It's usually a, a painful belief right? A feeling and a painful belief that's attached to that. And what is a way to, um, to soothe that, to comfort that, right? In a way that is um, really truly giving attention, that, that is full of an actual emotion, right? Chocolate doesn't have an emotion. And so when we meet that, oh, I feel, I feel relieved. I feel held. I feel, um, I feel at peace, right? Then well, do I still then, want chocolate? Yeah, I want chocolate. Yeah. Okay, great. Getting into the into the science of it, right? What does some of these numbing agents give you? Chocolate mm -hmm. wine, it gives you oxytocin. It gives you, mm -hmm. you know, like if you are gym rats, right? Like people think like it's okay to go to the gym. And it's obviously okay, but like if you're doing it to numb yourself versus to improve your health, then you probably, your body needs serotonin, right? And, and it's like, okay, what, or endorphins, right? So what are the other mm -hmm. ways that you can get these things, right? With meditation or um, mindfulness, right? Which is one of the things you teach and uh, people can get when they get in touch with you, right? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, these, these hormones that we're looking for, they come from presence. You think about like babies, when they need soothing, what they want is to be held. And what they want most is to be held by the mother that carried them, mm -hmm. right? And that's going to fill them with all of those hormones, all of those signals that say, I am safe, I'm taken care of, I'm comfortable, it's okay, right? I can relax. And so that's presence. That's a loving, compassionate presence. That's, that's comes with the good mother archetype is what we're all looking for when we're in distress is we want our mommies, right? Not very naturally, very instinctually, we want our mommies. But these same hormones can come from chocolate, from drinking, from sex, from going to the gym, from, you know, um, from working a lot and accomplishing a lot of tasks, right? All these yeah. things. And so Dopamine they, mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. but the difference is that all those things also have side effects mm -hmm. that take us away from that feeling of being able to relax, being, being, feeling truly safe, feeling at rest, right? Um, and that they don't make up for the comprehensive experience of being in the presence of loving, compassionate energy. Mm -hmm. That's just there for us. So that's, uh, that's a very good thing that I would like to make sure our listeners pay attention to. It's like, start tuning into your body, right? Like what... Mm -hmm. What is your body trying to tell you? What are the things that you gravitate to when 
when you are stressed out, when you are feeling low, when you uh, get triggered, right? Mm -hmm. And if you start seeing patterns of um, codependent um, behaviors or numbing addictions um, or just like, you know, spiraling down to like low emotions, mm -hmm. that is a great signal that your body is mm -hmm. telling you to to look for help right to look for help uh with someone like carol or myself that can help you um just uncover what are these wounds that are keeping yeah. you you know chained down to the past yeah. where, where you know you're not there anymore the now is where all the magic of life happens and when you yeah. learn to unchain yourself from those things with, you know, self-love, mindfulness, like Carol teaches and coach people. And um, and I like to add the energy to it because we have imprinted in our DNAs all the stressors that our ancestors had. Mm -hmm. um, so um, it's just a different way to, to live. So it's so beautiful to you know, see that there's more people who are awakening to this that are therapists, yay! <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, it adds more tools to your repertoire, right? Like, mm -hmm. not just the coaching, and everyone has a different way of coaching, but then you have all these balance tools that you can help people with. And there's so many of, so many people that need help and so many uh, so, so few of us that can do that. So mm -hmm. there, um, it's it's so beautiful to see more and more people coming into this space. So yeah, yeah, I'm happy to be welcomed into the space. <laughs> <laughs> so Carol, what is a way that people can get in touch with you and get to know you a little better? Uh, and as I like to call it, get into your bubble. Yeah, so there are two places you can reach me. One is my website, which is anchoredawakening.com. And um, so there you can read more about my personal story. You can read my, about my coaching programs. Um, and you can also sign up for my freebie, which is a little guide, a mindfulness guide called Three Simple Ways to Be Mindful Every Day. And these are practices that you can do in less than five minutes. So it doesn't have to like take over your life. You don't even have to sit and meditate. And that's hard for a lot of people. You don't have to start there. Um, so you can sign up for that. Um, you can also book a free call where I talk to you about what you're going through and make a recommendation. It doesn't have to be to work with me. It can be this, he's just what I'm hearing and here are some options that I think would help for you, right? Um, the other way people can reach me is my Instagram. It's at Anchored Awakening. I post pretty regularly. I post um, kind of, the text posts and also reels where I talk about a lot of these concepts. Um, I also talk about mental health myths. And so these are mental health concepts that have really been diluted um, by mainstream media and social media and kind of have lost their nuance and maybe are actually um, not as effective anymore. And so I spend some time kind of debunking these myths and clarifying what they really mean. Um, so that's a really fun place to reach me to. Beautiful. So we make sure we'll put all the links for Carol in the description of the podcast as always. And uh, it's been a pleasure to have you here today. Thank, Thank you so much you. for coming.
Yes. And best of luck. And for everyone else, we'll see you next week in another episode of Living Intentionally. Bye.